Well, this morning, we are going to be taking a little diversion. We're going to be taking the next 11 weeks to pull out of the Gospel of Luke to do a series. But it's actually going to be starting next week, a series on the family, Building a Better Family, it's titled. But this week, I'm actually going to be talking about your purpose in life, our purpose in life. And the reason for this is that we're going to be starting next Sunday this class on discovering our gifts and discipleship class. So at 10 o'clock next week, in the room over here, just down the hall, we're going to be having a class on spiritual gifts. And the connection that has to what we were made for and what God's purpose is for us is going to be seen this morning. And I wanted to take the time this morning to introduce, to do talk about something that I think lays a foundation that we can't move forward until we understand that. And for all of us to see perhaps the importance of us attending this class, I wanted to, for us to see the importance of an understanding, first of all, our very purpose in life. Why do we exist? Why did God create us? So that's what we're going to do this morning. And then next Sunday, we're going to start our series on the family, building a better family. But before we go any further, let's pray and ask for God's rich blessing. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You are good in every way. You are kind. You are gentle. You are patient, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and in love. And from your throne flows the river of life. That we might drink from it and be filled overflowing. Goodness and mercy are ever before you. And so, Father, this morning we want to understand you better. We want to understand ourselves better. Help us to see and realize who we are in light of who you are. Father, pour out your spirit and bless us and powerfully be with us and meet us this morning. For we ask it in your beloved Son, in whom we are hidden forever. Amen. You know, one thing we have to realize is that we, when it comes to discovering purpose, our purpose in our lives, we never discover it by looking at ourselves, by looking inward. You know, one thing that's interesting is that throughout the ages, throughout the centuries, people have asked the question. Have you ever asked the question? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What should I be about? What what am I to be doing? And most people ask that question. You know where they look? They look right here. They look right in at themselves. And we do not discover our, our purpose by looking to ourselves or by setting lofty goals and dreams And then giving our lives to achieving them. We discover our purpose by looking to the one who made us. Imagine you were stranded on a desert island. You're stranded on a desert island all by yourself. And then all of a sudden, one day, floating up to shore, you see this raft. And on this raft was this very large square container. And it float it up and hit the beach, and you go over to it, and you're you're confused as to what it is, and so you see 
pasted to the side this manual. So you rip it off and you open it up and there it, 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 it shows you who made it, what it was intended for, how you put it all together. And you begin to realize as you read this that this, wow, this is a machine that somehow attracts animals. It kills them, cuts them up, skins them, guts them, quarters them, and puts them in a cooler. So it's like an automatic machine. Wow, this thing's going to save your life. And so you, understanding what it is and what it's made for, you study the manual carefully so that you don't mess one thing up. This is life or death. You know, often when it comes to understanding our purpose, why am I made? We throw out the manual and we go trying to figure it out on our own. We're, we're like, let's just see how it works. That's yeah, a typical man thing to do too, right? You ever buy something and the first thing you do is throw the directions away? Because those will just confuse you anyways and you just do it. Next thing you know, half an hour later, he's got it all messed up and you're scrambling trying to find out where the directions are because you got it all messed up. That's, that's what we're like. We're constantly throwing the directions away, and we're constantly trying to figure it out on our own, and we're constantly getting messed up and confused. You know, so many people have asked the questions about themselves, look to themselves, self-centered questions about, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? Yet in asking all that, they never do go to the manual, do they? It's been clearly defined for you. The one who made you, the one who created you, has told you. If you want to know why something is made, if you want to know why that machine was made, and you, you consult the, the maker of the machine, the creator of it, because he's going to tell you why it was made. The same goes for us. Why were you made? Well, let's turn to the manual now and find out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. What is our purpose in life? What's happening here, just to set the context, hopefully you know, Genesis chapter 1, from the 1 and following all through verse 25, God has created the heavens and the earth. And he did it in six days. And on the sixth day, his crowning achievement happens right here. After everything in the heavens and earth has been established, there's one thing missing. Then God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And then he goes on to tell him what to do. But here, I just want us to focus on that first phrase. He says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. You know, we all... I want us to see something here. That every single one of us have the exact same fundamental purpose. Fundamental purpose. We all, every one of us, we all have been created in the image and likeness of our God. We are created like Him in His image. You know, this, is, it, this has always been of interest to, the, to Christian scholars, this language here. Because there's something significant about this. Notice, notice the pronouns here. You notice how he says, let me. He doesn't say let me. It's not a singular personal pronoun. Look at It's a plural pronoun, isn't it? Let us. That should jump out to you. Let us make man in 
our image, after our likeness. That should jump out to you and say, hey, wait a sec, what's going on here? Well, we know something being on this side of the new covenant and such a fuller understanding of God that we know that God is three persons in one essence. We know that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, one God. And so we go back and we read this language and say, look at this, even here we're being a revelation about God, a deep revelation about God is being hinted at. God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You know, this is, this is amazing stuff. Because this is why the image of God is not completely, the image and likeness of God is not completely reflected in an individual. We're so quick to think of things like our purpose, my purpose, and we think of it individualistically. But you realize that the image of God is not complete without community. It's never completely realized in the individual. Listen how God puts this in verse 27. So God said, let us do this. And then it says in verse 27, so this is what he did. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now listen to this. Male and female, he created them. When God creates man, he creates a community. It was the male and female that God had created coming together, and as one, they create this new life. And in that community of the family, as it starts off and starts to multiply, here's the image and reflection of God, the likeness of God. So when we come to understand our purpose, we cannot understand it completely in isolation. We can only understand it in relationship to community, relationship to one another. We often hear, have you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of this, right? What it means to reflect the image and likeness of God. And immediately we think of it in terms of personal, per, very personal understanding that we are personally to be godly. And that's true. But if an individual goes off, on a, off by himself in a corner and thinks about God and studies the Bible and dwells there and he's never in relationship to anybody else, that individual is not reflecting the image and likeness of God. It's only in community as we're loving one another, serving and giving and blessing one another that we're reflecting the image of God. We can only understand our purpose fully in community. And first and foremost, let me help you understand something here as well. Our purpose will never be fully realized apart from the, the initial community that we needed to be bound to. And this is the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will never have purpose or meaning in your life until you have good and rich community with the triune community. And then from there, as you have community with others... It's rich and full as well because it overflows from that initial community. Do you want to know the people who wander about in life the most, wondering what their purpose is? There are people who are lonely, people who are dejected, people who are rejected. They don't feel accepted. They don't feel like they belong to anybody or anywhere. They have no group, no community. And the ones they do, the family, the friends, the people they have, they're selfish, they're self-interested, they abuse, they hurt, they cause pain, there's division, there's schism, there's all kinds of war within. And they're lost. 
And they look in a mirror and say, why was I made? I don't even understand this world. Nothing makes sense to me. And they search for meaning within themselves. They'll never be found there, ever. Ever, ever, ever. You will not know your purpose until you know God and his community. And from there, know the community of God's people. And there you'll find meaning and you'll find purpose as you learn to love and to serve and to give and to bless and to receive all the same. Have you ever been and had it tasted for a moment? I hope some of you have tasted the, the sweet communion and fellowship of the triune God and his people. I tell you what, it, it is, if, if you've tasted, you know the Lord is good. It's beyond words. It surpasses life itself. The fullness, the life that it brings, is, it, it, it's just mind-blowing. However, if you've ever been rejected, cut out, alienated, isolated, broken from your fellowship and communion, community with God and with his people, all you know is pain and sorrow and meaningless life. What is my point? What is my purpose? Life makes no sense. You know, one thing that we can try to do also is shortcut the means to life and to purpose and to fulfillment. What we try to do is we try to get it. Okay, it's about community. So let me get it from others. So I seek community. I, I try to get in a good community. And I try to find from the, get from that community what they can't give me. Because there's a fundamental flaw. I'm telling you that the number one community that you have got to be in with, if you have no other community in your life, it's the community of the triune God. If you have no fellowship and communion and union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're lost. You don't even know what life is. You wander around groping, trying to find, trying to be filled up, and you can never be satisfied. We'll always be wondering about what our purpose is at that point. Wonder why I'm here. We feel like we have no point. We feel like we have no purpose. We feel like we have no belonging. But I tell you what, you have union and communion and you have fellowship with the triune God and he fills you up. In his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Did you hear that? Fullness of joy. We sang that this morning. In his presence is fullness of joy, which means to the top, overflowing. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We've got to know that. And we know that, and we bring that into our other communities, our family and our friends and the church community. It overflows with life. And we start to realize what life is all about. That's our purpose. But you know what? Not just, it, it, there's more to it than this as well. Because we all have a fundamental purpose, the same purpose, but we do not all have the same calling. And this is where the particular gifts come in. 
We all have a different calling. If you look at verse 26, the second part, he says, after he's talked about let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The text says that we're to have dominion and rule over creation but which should never be thought of. It says dominion here, that word dominion. Immediately, we can fill that word up with every kind of worldly notion of dominion, which is a stiff, unloving, ruling hand that controls. It's perverted. It's twisted. It's ungodly. It's of the flesh. We need to think, when God himself, man has not fallen at this point, it's perfect, right? So man is to have dominion, and that idea is more of one like a godly shepherd who cares, who's concerned for it. To reflect the actual way God would govern and shepherd. That's our calling, to go and to care for all of creation and to build it up and to glorify it so that we, as a... And in doing that, we'd be doing it not just for ourselves, but we'd be doing it for one another, for the community. You know, the best picture of this, the best picture of what it means to take dominion is Jesus himself. When he was on earth, what was he doing? He was binding up the brokenhearted, healing the sick, casting out demons, and defending his own from the wolves and being watchful over them. You look at Jesus and watch him walk through the air and how, the earth and how he's caring, how he's nurturing, how he's loving, how he's defending, how he's rebuking, and how and the whole time he's gathering his children together around him. He starts gathering his, his children as this good shepherd. And he's taking dominion like the true Adam. Not like the Adam like Adam should have. Our father, first father Adam, he was not taking dominion very well. He allowed the serpent in the garden and he allowed him to deceive his wife and to bring destruction to them and to the earth. He should have kicked the serpent out of the garden and he didn't. He was a bad steward. A bad steward. So with a godly picture of what dominion looks like, you know, one thing we can't do is think that we have all have the same calling, and, but yet, and forget at the same time that we all have the same overall purpose. We don't want to think that everyone has, now, because we all have the same purpose, we all have the same calling. Well, we know pretty much from common understanding, we're not all called to be a Messiah. We're not all called to be apostles. We're not all called to be any one thing in this world. We read 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and it says that God gives different and varying gifts for the purpose of building one another up for the fulfilling of his purpose on the earth, which is to build this godly community on the earth. You know, even our so-called natural gifts, you think of your own life. God has given you abilities. God didn't give those to you for yourselves. Why did he give those to you? For the purpose of building up and blessing the community. That's why he's given them. You know, consider the fact that we all have different passions, different personalities, different experiences, different training, different abilities, and on and on. We have differences, right? No, no two people are the same. Yet we do not have these differences for ourselves. 
so we can go off in a corner and enjoy the gifts that God gave us. Oh, it's just so great that, I'm, that you've given me this, oh God, and we just delight in that gift. He gives you a gift for the community. You've got to understand, our, gifts, our particular calling and giftedness is particular, but it's in order to fill the grand purpose of, of creating this godly community that builds one another up. Do you remember Ephesians 4? You know the purpose of the gifts? He says that you might build up one another in love. The primary purpose that he had in the beginning was a triune community in the Godhead that was extended into humanity, that they would go out and fill the earth with this beautiful, glorious, loving community. Often, we want to discover our own gifts, our own particular things that God has given us, so that we can get more pleasure and get more glory for the great things that we've accomplished. But that is completely of the sinful flesh. It's a perversion of what God intended. God gives us unique gifts and calling that we have to discover and learn how to employ. Why? For the building up of the community. So we should, we should know, want to know how God has gifted us, what he's given us, what he's calling us to, so we can fulfill that purpose. And this is where we'll be focusing our time in discipleship class. How has God gifted you for this purpose? How he's, has he particularly put you together? What are the spiritual gifts? What, are, what, what kind of heart and passion has he given you? Abilities, personality, and experiences. So they come to, together so we can give our contribution to building God's kingdom. I know even from myself and personal experience that when you come to understand and know who you are and why you're made and what God has done in and through you, it's very helpful to know how is it that I fit in? What part do I play? What's my role? Because it's in that role of fulfilling the ultimate purpose of building up the community that we find, again, we find so much joy in life, meaning and fulfillment. You know, you think of God himself. What's his deepest pleasure but to to love the other? The Father gives everything for the Son. The Son wants to glorify and give everything to the Father. And the Father and the Son want to glorify the Spirit. The Spirit's primary job, he wants nothing more than to glorify the Father and the Son, to exalt them. And out of this desire to love, to serve, to bless one another, creation itself bursts into being. That's the whole reason why we have redemption. And they, and they come and purchase back and redeem and, so that they can reveal their love for one another and their love for us and all of creation. So you could see how much he loves. Same with us. Why has God given you particular gifts? You have a particular gift in calling. And it's important that we discover that so we can take and use that gift to the building up of the community. Out of love. And we find joy and fulfillment in doing that. So that's what we're going to discover and look at in the discipleship class. You know, lastly, um, one other thing that I want us to realize is that we should all be, and we're going to discover here as well in Genesis 1, fulfilled and fruitful. If you look at verse 28, it said, And God blessed them. So he makes them, he gives them the a charge to go and take dominion, to rule over, subdue creation for the good and glory of his name and the good of the community, to build it all up. 
And then he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And he goes on to repeat what he said earlier about having dominion. But I want us to focus on this first part here. God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, we come to this phrase, being fruitful and multiply, and you might be thinking that God just wants them to be active having children. Often we hear them, oh yeah, you guys have lots of kids, that's how you be fruitful and multiply. And that's true, there's that there. But if, if we understand that that to be the only point and purpose of being fruitful and multiplying, we're not understanding the full meaning. What he's getting at here is that we're to be fruitful and multiply in all things, in everything that we do. Not just in having kids, but in everything we lay our hands to. God blessed them, and they know that when they go and lay their hands to something, they're going to be fruitful, and it's going to multiply. You know, don't, don't you want to be fruitful and multiply? We don't even like addition. We want to multiply. You know, you don't want to plant a, a tree and have two fruit on it. You want to have hundreds. You want to have fruit hanging on every branch. Everything we do, we want to be fruitful and multiply. We hate it when we're not being fruitful and it's not being effective. If I told you to go dig a ditch, you go dig a ditch, and I want you to fill it back in. You fill it back in, and the next day I see you dig that ditch again and fill it back in. And even if I paid you money, you would be seriously losing motivation. You would start hating and loathing this work. No, just dig it and fill it back in. I'll pay you. I'll pay your day's wages. Like, what's the point? This is stupid. I don't care what you're paying me. I don't like this anymore. Well, I'll just increase your pay. It doesn't matter. It's not changing anything. It's because you want to be fruitful and multiply. You want to do something that's effective. Now, let's just say you're digging a trench, a big, long trench, in order to bring in cable and water and gas to your new home that will support your family. Well, you'll dig that ditch with a lot of vitality and energy because it's going to be fruitful and effective to bless the family with this great home afterwards. So you give yourself to digging that ditch because God wants us to be fruitful. He puts it in our hearts to be fruitful and multiply. We want everything we touch to be effective, to be fruitful. But we don't want it to be fruitful and as, as an end in and of itself. But rather, once again, why? Why? To bless the community. To build up the body for it to minister. Again, the Father does all he does for the Son. The Son for the Father the Spirit for the Father and the Son, and all three together, and they do this out of love. This is the, they're fruitful and they multiply. Creation comes into existence. Why? Because out of this gift of love. Fruitfully blessing, filling. You know the most fulfilling things we do in life are when we do something that's a rich blessing and benefit to others. Even if you're an artist and painting, and you, do, you don't just paint so that you can stare at that yourself off in the corner somewhere and then shove it away. It's, until it blesses, until it gives life, until it actually becomes fruitful in, in the larger community, does it really not have consummation? We want it to bless others. We're given gifts so that we might be fruitful and multiply for the community. Again, that's the fundamental purpose. And this is, again, why it's, it's important for us to understand. It's important for us to try and seek to discover how has God put me together so that I can be the most fruitful and the most multiply and take and use those gifts for the benefit and the blessing of that community because in doing that, there is joy, there's fulfillment. 
But there's one last thing. There's one last thing I want to say in wrapping this, bringing this all together. Because one of the things that happens from Genesis chapter 1 here is Genesis chapter 3. It's messed everything up. It's all nice and pretty and nice and tidy in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. All good, isn't it? But I tell you what, things got really messed up. Ever since the fall, the fall into sin, into death, everything has changed. We were separated from God, fundamentally. We became slaves to sin. We feel the sting of death and we're subjected to the rule of the devil. That's why people in the world are lost, confused, trapped in sin, unfruitful, unloved, and living meaningless lives. It's the fundamental reason. But there's good news, right? Good news. Jesus showed up. And he came to set us free and to restore us to fullness of life. However, you know what happens as Christians? We come to know, we meet Jesus, and we can get ensnared and entrapped and entangled in the affairs of life, and we drift back to old patterns. We live according to the flesh, which destroys our life, our purpose, our fruitfulness, and our peace. And we start going and trudging along. And, and we want to find out. Then all of a sudden, because of this situation, we want to start to find out how we can get more meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And so we go chasing after idols and things. We might even go, and here's the, here's the thing I'm concerned about, because now, because of the fundamental issues of our own heart, we end up going to a gifts class, discovering our gifts, to think that maybe from that class we will find fulfillment. From there, we'll, then we'll all of a sudden, if I discover, I'll have more purpose, I'll have more meaning. And you know what happens to the gifts that God has given you? They become idols. Idols. You're seeking to get from them what you can only get from God. And if you want to destroy your soul, that's all you have to do. Is, is try, if there's emptiness, if there's a hole... If there's a need, if there's longing to find purpose, and we think, man, I'll go to this class and that's what will happen, we've fallen. We've drifted. We're no longer finding our joy, our peace, our fulfillment in the triune community like we ought to. That's a fundamental problem. And it's, it's the one thing. It's the thing that we must take care of before we move forward. It's the thing, that, the thing that we must deal with in our own hearts before we even go and take the class. One of the primary reasons I wanted to do this this morning is for us to examine our own hearts and make sure that we do that with the right purpose and intention. Otherwise, we will make an idol out of our own pursuit of gifts and understanding them so that we can become fulfilled and satisfied. But you know what? We need to ask ourselves a serious question. We need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves this. Think of, think of your life. Think of the people. Think of the things. Think of the stuff in your life. And, and I want you to think of, is there, anything, is there anything in your life that if God was to take it away from you, even your gifts, that you'd feel like, I don't know if I could live any longer? Think of people, think of things, think of gifts, think of whatever. If God was to take it away, you'd say, I don't know if I could live any longer. You know what that exposes in us? An idol. 
we're looking to get from that person or that thing what we can only find in God himself. And because there's a vacancy, because there's a hole, we're looking for that person or that, that thing or that whatever it is to give us what only God can give us. And do you know what? Here's the other part of this. God does not come and fill his people up with his goodness as long as they hold their idols in their hands. Do you know throughout the scriptures when God was going to come to meet Israel on Mount Sinai, do you know what he told them? Consecrate yourselves, wash, and then draw near to the mountain, and I will come down. Before Joshua was going to go into the new land, and God was going to come down in power and meet them and go and destroy their enemies and show up in marvelous ways, do you know what he told them? Consecrate yourselves, separate yourselves, get rid of your idols and draw near to me. Do you know throughout Scripture, whenever God's people found that God showed up in glory and power, you know what they needed to do? They needed to consecrate themselves, get rid of their idols, cleanse themselves, and God would show up in power. Do you know before God showed up into the tabernacle and the temple in power and in glory, you know what needed to happen? They needed to be consecrated, separated unto the Lord. Throughout Scripture and on and on, every time God shows up in power, do you know what God's people needed to do? They needed to humble themselves, confess their sins, turn from their wicked ways. And cry out to the Lord. And then he would come in power. We cannot go to the Lord with the idols in our hands. We could be praying all day long. I pray constantly for God to fill me up. I pray constantly. I, I seek the Lord and I seek and I seek and I cannot find. I'm, I don't know what God's problem is. I don't know what his problem is because I tell you, I've prayed a lot. I, I tell you, I, I've, I've sought him a lot. But here's the thing. We can't go in with one hand, have idols in this hand. And then go to him with our other hand open. Say, oh, Lord, bless me. It is as if you go to a steel wall. Put away your idols. Put away those things that so easily hinder and entangle you. And come to me with these both hands open and I will fill you so full it will go to overflowing. I will show up in power. I will show up in ways and bring you life that, it, that you will not believe how good it is. Isaiah 59 talks about this. But my people beseeching me constantly with prayers, and I do not hear them. Why? Because they cling to their idols and their sins and the things that they want. And they have not gotten rid of those things. And it's always been a problem. It's a problem, a perennial problem that we have to continually, in so many ways, we have to consecrate ourselves again to the Lord, renew ourselves. Because you know over time what we tend to do? You know what our hearts tend to do? We tend to go after things and people and stuff to give us what only God can give us. That's what we tend to do. And yet we pray, and we do all the religious stuff, don't we? We do all the rituals. We come here just like every other week. This is what we do week after week. We're the people of God. We pray, we seek God, and God, where are you, oh God? Why don't you do anything? Why does he seem so far off? Why does he seem so quiet? Why do we seem so dead? And he said from the beginning, you can't come to me with your idols in your hands and think that I will bless you. So we go searching through our tent and we find under the mattress those things that we love. Those things that we've clung to. 
those things that have gotten a hold of us and that we're looking to give, get from them what we can only get from God. And we begin to see and realize why our worship is in vain so often, why our pleading is in vain. Because both hands are not open. It's not pure honesty. We're not going to God looking to him and to him alone to fill us. We're going to idols. So you know what we need to do? If we are to experience the fullness of God and have him come to us in power, we have got to first get rid of the idols. You should, all of us, we, oh God, search me and know me. Are there things that are people, relationships, things, gifts, anything that you have given me that I am clinging to and trying to find from that what I can only find in you? Ask yourself that question honestly. Is there anything that you're unwilling to put on that altar and give up to God? And here I want to encourage you. I'll tell you something. It is, it is no sacrifice at all once you realize how good, how awesome, how powerful, how kind God is. And when he pours his life into you, it is better than life itself. You know what Paul said in Philippians 3.8? I consider all things to be dung, worthless to that of knowing Christ Jesus. Is that true of us? Do you consider all of these things that you're holding on to and clinging to? Is it, and you compare them to knowing Christ Jesus, to know him and to know his presence and to know his fullness. Man, I, I would give up life itself. And if we're not there, it's screaming to us right now what the problem is. We have idols that we're not willing to give up. But if we will go to God and give him everything, he will fill us with everything we need. That's what we need to do. Amen. Father, oh, Father, we come to you now. As you look upon us with your gaze and you see us as your children who are quick to cling to things that you've given us, quick to cling to people and relationships, quick to cling to stuff and to gifts and all the things you give us. Oh, Father, we're, we're wretched. We so disbelieve your promises. We're so vile because we actually think that you're going to withhold for us. We actually believe that you're not that good. You're not that kind. You're not that great. You're not that fulfilling. Forgive us, Father. Have mercy on us. Oh, Lord, help us all, even now, to give everything we have up to you. It's yours, oh, God. Just as long as we can have you and have your fullness and have your life fill us to overflowing. Oh, God, please. Please, Father, expose us, convict us, show us, reveal any corner in our lives, anywhere where we're hiding an idol. Please, O oh God.
Show us, reveal it to us, and that may we bring that thing and smash it before your feet. Say, you are the only true and living God, the only one who can give me what I need. Oh, Lord God, please have mercy and fill us. For we ask it in Christ. Amen.